We'll laugh. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. Good to see you guys. God bless you. God bless you. You guys, you excited about serving Jesus? And if you're not serving Jesus, hopefully by the time uh, we're done and concluded today, you'll be excited about serving him. Because we serve a great God. Our, our philosophy here is very simple. It's God's good, devil bad. Amen. And, and really, honestly, God is good. And uh, he, gives us, he gives us his uh, playbook. He gives us the manual to life. He gives us his Holy Spirit to reveal it to us. And uh, what more do we need, man? We need each other. He gives us the body of Christ to lean on and to be able to work and do ministry and, and life with. And it's pretty awesome. Uh, today, I'm going, to, I'm going to continue on in the series that I started a few weeks by, back called Make War. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a good series. I was thinking, I was thinking back by, uh, about a few weeks late, or earlier that I felt like the Lord showed me in, in, in this series that this series is going to be more impactful than I really realized. And that's kind of what I felt in my heart. And so today I really hope, my prayer is, is that every one of us just pay attention. And, and, and hear what God is saying to us. And I'm, I'm just a vessel. I'm just being used by God. And, and there's times when I'm, I'm speaking and preaching. I'm, I'm endeavoring to follow the Spirit of God that I'm hearing some of the things that you're hearing. And it's like, wow, that's good. And it's, that can't be me. That's like, oh, that's you, God. Okay. And that's how it should be. And we want to hear from God today. And so let's put our spiritual ears on. And uh, if, 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 uh, if we could possibly just focus in and set everything else aside, let's do that so that we can hear what God is wanting to say to us today. We started out with uh, a, a scripture, and I want to go take you back to it today. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, understand that everything that God does, He does on purpose. He doesn't do uh, anything without a purpose in mind. There's always something behind everything that he does. He has a motivation behind what he does. And when he created you and I, it wasn't just to exist here on this earth. Thank God. I remember, I remember uh, as a young kid uh, in elementary sitting uh, on a school uh, ground in, against the school building. Just uh, life was horrible. It was just seemed anyway at that time. It seemed horrible to me. Probably for a lot of kids, that seems horrible. But it was. It seemed like it was just a lot of bad things were going on, and and I, I just had my head on my my knees. And it's just like there's got to be more to life than being born, growing up, going to school graduating, getting a job, getting married, eventually retiring, and then dying. There's got to be more to life than this. And at that point, I was contemplating suicide. And I thought, what's the use? You know, if this is all, then I I don't want to go through it. And and all the people that I knew, they were pretty miserable in every season of life. It was like I never really saw around were around people that were very happy. And that was my life. Now, I, I know that many of you did not experience that, but that was my life at that point. And I thought, what is the use? What is the use of, 
of, of uh, even carrying on and living. And what I didn't understand at that time that I understand now is that God has a purpose for my life. I didn't realize that there was a purpose for my life. And so I just wanted to give up and just say no more. I, it's like, let's stop. Let's, let's just go ahead and go on to the next uh, phase of whatever God has for me. Actually, I didn't even think that. But, uh, but so anyway, I just want you to see when God created us in Genesis chapter 1, I believe he outlined some things that we need to understand that he has for each and every one of us. No one exempt. Every one of us are included in what God has for us. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, 28, it says, So God created man in his own image. I love that because God wants us to reflect him here on this earth. Uh, we should be a reflection of the Lord. And, and honestly, that's not where I was going to take you. But there are some things that he does want us to reflect. And I'm, I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But it says here, And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. Thank God for the blessing of God on our life. And then God said to them, and here's the first thing that he would like and wants for us to reflect. That's part of our purpose. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. God wants us to be productive in our life. He wants us producing. Isn't it interesting that the, the most fulfilled people are the people that are, are producing out of their life? When you're not producing, there's not anything that's actually coming out of your life. You're not making that big of a difference with your life. You're really unfulfilled. You're dissatisfied in your life. Tend to be irritable. You ever been around irritable people? And uh, you tend to be irritable because God intended for us to be fruitful and multiply, to produce out of our life. And so he says also fill the earth and subdue it. Fill the earth and subdue it. He wants us to be influencers. That's the second thing he would, he's designed us to do, is to influence other people for his glory, for his, his, his glory in his kingdom here on this earth. God wants us to be influencers. By the way, all of us are influencing people around us. People are making decisions based on our influence in their life. And we may not recognize it or realize it, but we're influencing people. More is caught than taught. People are watching your actions. Children are watching parents' actions and see how they relate to life, how they respond to life, how they relate to situations and respond to situations, and they emulate that. Out of the influence, because God has given us influence here on this earth. And so he tells us that we are, we are to fill the earth and subdue it. Have influence here on this earth. And then he goes on and he says, Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. He also has called us to be leaders. He wants us to be the pace setters, setting the pace here in this earth. He doesn't want us to be following the ways of this world. He wants us to be leading this world. Are you with me? And, uh, and so we, we need to be setting the tone. We need, to be setting, we need to be setting the standards here on this earth, not being uh, conformed to, the, to this world. The Bible tells us don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we may prove what is the good, the acceptable, and perfect will of God. So we all have a purpose. And, and here's the deal, here's the deal, and here's why I even entitled this Make War, is because, because we are in a spiritual warfare, and many, in many people's lives, the devil is winning over rather than us winning over the devil. 
And instead of, instead of uh, being fruitful and producing, instead of being influencers and being leaders, we are, we are uh, stagnant in our life, and it's because the enemy has put a cap or has put a lid on our life because of circumstances, because of his influence, and because of his attacks on our life. And we don't need to stand for it. We can stand up against it, and we can have victory over it. And there's a few things that we've talked about. First of all, I started out a message called Pursue, Overtake, and Recover All. And that God wants us to have the things that he said that we could have. And the children of Israel, for instance, they could have had the promised land. There was a whole generation that missed out having it. They could have enjoyed it. And, and instead, they wandered in the wilderness. Far too many people wandering in the wilderness. And it's because they are unwilling to make war, to stand up for what is theirs. And, and in, that, in that first message, I talked about we have the position to be able to win and overcome every time. We have the position in Christ. We are in Christ. We are in His body. We are in the church. We are in the family of God. And we are positioned to win. We are God's children. Why should we lose? Amen. Amen? We can stand up to the enemy. He is in a losing position. And here's what I stated, is that before Jesus Christ, before we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're in Adam. And Adam was a loser. He was a failure. He was a defeated person because he wasn't in Christ. But when we came into uh, Jesus Christ and we invite him into our life, we are no longer in Adam, but we are in Christ. And in Christ, we are in a position of victory. We are seated with him in a position of authority. And so we are able, or we are positioned to win. Amen? Amen. And so we talked about that in the first message. The second message, we had a guest speaker, and and I'm not even going to try to go there. (laughs) If you were around and you heard that one. And, uh, And then last week we talked about take possession, that God wants us to take possession of what he has for us. And in that, I talked about we have the authority to make war and win every time. That we have authority. God's invested his authority in us, and we have that authority, and we can exercise that authority, and we can win. That the devil does, he has no authority in our life, only the authority that we give him. Amen? So I can't go back and re-preach it. I already went long enough even recapping. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about and, and, and I'm taking it from the, uh, the story of Gideon. And if you heard the whole story of Gideon, uh, Gideon and, uh, and his clan, all these people were being, uh, they were being, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, oppressed by the Midianites. Uh, the Midianites were oppressing them and stealing from them. And, and, uh, and so anyway, they, they were all oppressed. And, and God told them to arise and go. Arise and go. Go after them. Defeat them. Make war. And watch and see what I, I do. And so we're going to look at all that. And, uh, and, but I want you to see that Gideon had what it took to be able to do what God says he could do. And I'm going to tell you... And I'm going to tell me, and I'm going to tell us that we have what it, what, 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 what we need to be able to arise and go and take back what is ours. Amen. The devil has no authority in our life. Thank God for that. Some of you need to hear that because you're constantly being oppressed. 
You're talking about the te- devil did this, the devil did that. You need to tell the devil, shut up, enough's enough. You know, you just be quiet. You're under my, as my grandson says, the devil's under my feet. He's under my feet. And that's what the Bible says. So if you're taking notes, you're following along with the notes inside your worship guide. I've got a statement here. We have the grace to make war. Gideon had the grace to make war and to win every time. And we have a grace on our life invested in us by the Lord Jesus Christ himself to make war and to overcome every time. That's good news. What happens is that a lot of people don't realize what grace is, and we're going to define that in just a minute. But in Judges chapter 6, we find this whole story of Gideon. And when, when, when the angel of the Lord uh, first appeared to Gideon, the Bible says that the Lord said in verse 12, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. He says, you're a mighty man of valor. If you go on and read in verse 14 through 16, you discover that Gideon didn't think he was a mighty man of valor. Gideon says, man, I am the least in my family and my family is the least of all the tribes. We are just, we are just runts in this whole picture. He says, I, there's no way that you're talking about me. Yet God called him a mighty man of valor. God knew what he had to be able to go in and do what God wanted him to do. Matter of fact, in verse 14, the, the Lord says to him, uh, he says, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. And then if you look at, down in uh, Judges 7, 9, it says, And it happened on the same night, after all, all this whole story, and I'm going to get into it today, uh, God told him, he says, after, he, it, says at, it, it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down. Arise, go down, arise, go, arise, go. We need to hear that. Arise, go. Quit sitting under the oppression of the devil. Arise and get out of it and go. Amen. Arise and go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. And I'm sure that Gideon was saying, because once we hear this story, I'm sure Gideon was saying, you've delivered it into my hand. That's past tense. You have delivered it into my hand. And, and I'm sure that he was thinking, man, this is not computing. This is not adding up. This is just not calculating correctly. You have delivered it into my hand. I'm here to tell you that God has delivered everything that he said that he would deliver into our hand. And it's ours. It's just time for us to arise and go. You've got, I've got, we've got the grace to arise and go. Now, he called him a mighty man of valor. I looked that up. The word valor means mighty man of power, strength, and courage in the face of danger, especially in battle. I like that. Let me say it again. It means valor here means mighty man of power, strength, and courage in the face of danger, especially in battle, especially in battle. And I'm here to tell you that we have that grace in us to be able to overcome everything, anything and everything that we face in life. There is no devil big enough to be be able to overcome us. We have the grace of God in us. Amen.
So let's talk about the believer's grace in the time that I have with you guys today. The believer's grace, number one, is fearless. It's fearless. I want you to hear me out. It's fearless. Uh, Gideon's army, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, his army, army numbered 32,000. And, uh, and, and, and at that time, God told Gideon, he says, I want you to uh, point out, I want you to call out everyone that is fearful. You remember the story if you've read it before? And he said, he says, I want you to call them out. And he says, I, and he says, I want you to send them home. 32,000. He says, I want you to send home everybody that is fearful. If you remember the story. And, and out of that, guess what? 10,000 was left. So out of 32,000, 10,000 was left. Wow, isn't that crazy? Now, I want you to understand this. The Midianite army numbered 135,000. 32,000 alone was massive. I mean, that was a massive difference enough. Now he says, send home everybody that's fearful. And God did that for a reason because, let me tell you, there is no fear in grace. There is no fear in grace. We can face anything in life if we are leaning on, depending on, drawing from the grace of God that he has deposited inside of us. And we have the spirit of grace, the spirit of God that lives inside of us that is able to do and overcome anything that we face in life. Hey, this is better than the amens that I'm hearing. I'm here to tell you, God has placed within us the ability to be able to overcome regardless of the numbers. So even 32,000, when he, when, you know, I don't know about you, but looking at 135,000 with my 32,000, I would kind of be, have a, a temptation to be fearful. But he said, I want you to understand, you don't have to fear. And all through scripture, you'll hear this continuously. Fear not, fear not, be not afraid. Fear not, fear not, be not afraid. And I'm going to tell you why. And it's this, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 tells us this, that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Understand that fear is a spirit that comes on people And that spirit, if you read Hebrews, uh, that spirit will put you in bondage. It will hold you back. It will contain you. It will strap you. It will keep you back from what God has for you. And so God had to send those people back. He had to send those people away or else they they would have kept God's plan from succeeding in life. And I'm going to tell you, you and I need to send fear packing We need to send fear packing because fear is a spirit. It's not of God. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But the Bible says he has given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen? Amen. And so so here's here's the deal. John chapter 1 verse 16 out of the Amplified, it says, For out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth... We have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, 
Favor upon favor, gift heaped upon gift. We need to rise and go and face our fears because God's fear, I mean, God's grace is fearless. It will face anything in life. Let me tell you something about fear. Fear of hurt will keep people back. Fear of failure will keep people back. Fear of loss. There's a lot of people that fear losing something or, 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 or just, you know, if I do this, then I may lose this. You know, that fear will hold you and I back. Fear of, of people will hold us back. Fear of, and this is a biggie that I see in our society nowadays, fear of commitment will hold people back. Fear of commitment will keep people back from what God has for them. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 and 10, it says, talking about the Apostle Paul, he says, I am the least of, of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle, but I, I, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am who I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, not, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. And man, I, as I was thinking about this in just the stories that I could tell about God's uh, grace in my life, and one of the biggest probably times, uh, most uh, memorable times that I had with the Lord was in a time of worship, just like we had this morning, where I was just honoring God and loving God and, and just, just was focused in on God. And then God just drops in my heart in, in, in during that worship set, and he says, give me your son. Give me your son. And, uh, and without going into all the story, uh, I'll just say this. Uh, I, I raised my son for six years uh, in between a divorce and uh, meeting my lovely wife now. Uh, and we've been married for 20, 24 years now. Had to think about it. And, and as a single parent, uh, I, I, I was fully committed to my son, to seeing him succeed. Uh, I didn't want him to feel the, the, uh, uh, the pressure of, of divorce. It wasn't my choosing. It, uh, I, I had gotten saved and uh, radically saved, and my life totally changed. And, and uh, she, she went the other way, and she didn't want anything to do with it, didn't want anything to do with me and that type of thing. And so we were young at that point. So anyway, years, a lot of years back. And... Uh, and so anyway, all that aside, uh, I was fully committed to my son, love my son. Still to this day, I love my son. I love spending time with my son. He's 34 years old now, and, uh, or will be next week, and 34. And uh, just, just uh, I didn't realize that I had a fear uh, of, of turning him completely over to God. There's a lot of people that have a fear if they turn it over to God that that they're going to lose something. Yeah. You know, fear of, if, if I turn this problem over to God, somehow they can do better than God can do. <laughs> uh, or whatever it is. And so, but I remember saying, okay, God, he's yours. And I sat there in that worship service just weeping like a baby. Didn't know what that meant. Didn't had no idea. 
I believe if I didn't do that that day that I would have held my son back in many ways throughout his life. I, I believe it with all my heart I would have held him back. Uh, it wasn't, if he was at 13, I think 12 or 13 at that time. And uh, what followed was several uh, missionary trips that he took in various places overseas. A couple in India for two or three months at a time, each one. Uh, Haiti, uh, Mexico, uh, Guatemala, just several. He went to Bible school when he was 17. I don't know if I would have let him go do that. And still, to this day, I, I do not worry about my son because I know he's in good, hand, good hands. I turned him over to God, and that day when I did, I released him to God. And from that point on, I have rested with great peace in my heart because he's no longer my responsibility, but he's God's. Amen. Amen. And I'm here to tell you, you, the enemy, one of the things that he uses in people's lives is fear. And when we just lean on the grace of God that is in us and we, uh, we, we uh, exercise that grace in our life, then we will be fearless in the face of all kinds of opposition in life. Amen? Amen. So, number one, the believer's grace is fearless. Number two, it is limitless. It is limitless. Thank God that God is an unlimited God. Once again... Uh, there was, you know, went from 32,000 uh, to 10,000, and, and he, re- he, rebuced, he, rebu- uh, he reduced it even further than that. God says, I want you to go, I want you to do something else now. I want, you know, I, I want, you know when they get water out of, the, out of the creek, out of the river, he says, those that uh, put their heads down and, and, and get water like a lap, lapping like a dog, and, and he says, you, you send them home too. It's like, God, what are you talking about? And he, he says, those that uh, cup it and drink it, you keep them and, and the rest you send home. Anyway, long story short, it ended, ended up being 300 people that he was supposed to go and take and overcome an army of 132,000 people. And let me tell you why God could do something like that. And he's still doing things like that. We just need to believe him. is because God is not limited. He's not limited by our numbers. I just came from a, a, a conference, and uh, in this conference, I told my wife on the way home, I said, man, I am so, i just struggling. I was just struggling. Instead of walking away encouraged, I'm struggling. Yeah. I was just struggling. I just, I just told her, and she says, why? And I said, man, because there was, there was a couple of ministers, great ministers, and one minister was talking about, a, a, and they're talking about their struggles, so they didn't get there easily as, with all kinds of battles and struggles, but one minister's talking about having 140 uh, different nationalities in his church represented. 140 nationalities in his church. And so, I, and I'm going to tell you, that's the heart of God. Heaven's going to be multicultural. I am so looking forward to that. You know, God, God does, I mean, He is not concerned about uh, what our skin looks like. He's concerned about what our heart looks like. Amen? Come on. 
And so, and I'm thinking 140 nationalities, and I'm just thinking, wow, what awesome thing. And mega church doing great things, impacting the world. And then, and then I hear this other pastor, and he, they went from a 30,000 foot, square foot building to a 300,000 square foot building. Mega building. And, and so they're telling their stories and telling some of the things that they went through and all that kind of stuff. So I walked away and I felt like our numbers were 300 up against 132,000. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? And, and, and interestingly enough, we've, we're really, really down today in numbers. <laughs> And, uh, and so, and so, uh, you know, I, I just, I, so I just walked away. And then through the process of meditating this message, God just reminds me that he's not limited. Amen. That he'll take, he'll take every, every person that will go ahead and arise and go and use them in a powerful way. And I believe that God's going to call some people this morning to rise and go, to rise and, and step forward and say, listen, I will be one of those that be, will be a part of building a life-giving church that reaches the loss, that disciples have found and equips the next generation. I'll be a part of what God's wanting to do in, in impacting Tyler in East Texas and even around the world. And so I, it just excites me about God that he is not limitless. And here's the thing. Israel, uh, the children of Israel limited God. The unlimited God was limited because of uh, their unbelief and their rebellion. The Bible says that the children of Israel in Psalm uh, somewhere. (laughs) Let me see if I have it. Psalm, Psalm 78, we'll throw it up there. It says, how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Verse 41 says, and yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Wow. Yet he's unlimited. Let me, let me give you the third thing about uh, the believer's grace. I was going to bring out another point here, but time is... Uh, uh, not permitting right now, so I just want you to catch the spirit of what I'm saying. When you have God's grace, you have the ability. The Bible says that the grace of God will supply all that we need for any need, for any charitable thing, anything that we have need of. Um, And so it's limited. But I want you to also know something about the believer's grace. It's matchless. It doesn't matter what we face in life. It's still no match to God. If God be for us, we sung that a while ago. I thought, how awesome, how appropriate, how, how, how God that is, that, that uh, we had that song uh, on our song list, is that God be for us, everybody else might as well be, right? Because God, God is, I mean, he, it doesn't matter. I mean, if, if you are 300 against 132,000, and then you put God in the equation, then you, you, we've surpassed 132,000. Right. Because he is matchless. Amen. He is matchless. And so, uh, and you know, the Bible says all we need to do is submit to God. 
And I, I will take you to James chapter 4, verse 6. It says, and he gives more grace. Therefore, God says, resist the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he might flee from you. It says he will flee from you. Why? Because the grace of God empowers us to resist any kind of demonic uh, uh, attack on our life. All we need to do is say, God, I'm yours. I'm following you. doesn't mean you're perfect. doesn't mean you don't blow it. Listen, if you're perfect, uh, <laughs> I, need, I need to meet you. Because you are Jesus Christ here on this earth. Every one of us have issues. We have problems. We have some things going on. We're all a work in progress, right? And I try, to, I try not to live with a mask on. I, don't, I want you to see the true, uh, what, what this look. I want to mirror Christ here on this earth. And, and I think the best way that I can mirror Christ is just show you that he's working in me and he's working through me. I think when we put a mask on, we can't see Christ. But when we take that mask off and we're just showing Christ working in our life and, 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 and allowing him to work through our life, I think we are able to help others best. Amen? And so, so we need to resist the devil and, uh, and he will flee from us. So he's matchless. We need to arise and go face whatever it is that we're facing, regardless of what the numbers are. It, it, if it's 132,000 and we're just 300, listen, God be for us. Who could be against us? Amen? Amen. And so uh, Paul told Timothy, a young pastor, he said this, that I want to share with you, and I want you to see how it's linked in to uh, a spiritual warfare But he told him in verse 1, he says this. He says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in that grace. And the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, commit those to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. And then he goes on in verse 3, he says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier in Jesus Christ. No one entangled in uh, in warfare in, in No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Uh, There was a time in my life, and I'll just just stop with this uh, story. Too often, first of all, we just tolerate the devil and we allow him to hang out. It's like he's our best buddy. You know, we, we tolerate him in our marriages, we tolerate him in our, in our souls, we tolerate him in our minds, our emotions, we tolerate him in our finances, tolerate him in our businesses, tolerate him in our relationships. We, it's almost like we just hang out with, with, the, with the devil because he's there and he's active. And, and really, the only place that the devil can work is in a place of darkness. The Bible says that he, he only works in darkness. So wherever there's darkness that we allow in our life, that's where the devil's at work. That's why we need to bring everything to the light. We bring it to the light so that light can shine because that's where God works. The Bible says in him is, uh, or he is light, and in him there is no darkness. Amen? Yes, Are you all getting anything out of this this morning? Okay, so, so what I want you to understand is that, that God is, he's, he's, he's matchless. He cannot be matched in any way. And, uh, and I, I was going through a difficult time in my life one day. 
And it just seems like, uh, and it was years and years back, it just seems like there was, in the natural, there was no way that I was able to overcome what I was, I was facing in life. And actually, everybody said that there was no way, except for God. And I remember during this, that's why this time just means so much to me. Whenever we break and I say, hey, you guys greet one another. I want you to be sensitive to God during that time. Because God can do in one moment what it will take us a lifetime to accomplish. And, and so it was during that time and it was a handshake time. And my pastor's wife came up to me, gave me a hug. And she didn't say anything else. She just spoke the word in my, in my ear. She says, if God be for you, who could be against you? It exploded inside of me. The light came on. And from that point on, I knew. I knew that I knew that I knew in my knower. Could I, it wasn't because all my circumstances changed. They didn't change at that moment. But I knew in my, in my knower that, that I had victory over that issue that I was facing in life. And that I don't care what I saw. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like Abraham. I didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb or my age being 100 years old. We were going to have some children. We're going we're chillins. We're gonna have some children. You know, we're going to have some kids. And, and, and so, you know, I, I, and I just knew it. And long story short, I, I, I had victory. I got victory. And I, I, I'm still enjoying the, the, the victory over that many years later because of that one word that was spoken in my, in my eye. Why? Because God is matchless. There's no one that can outmatch God. Amen? And I'm here to tell you, you're his child. You're the, you're the body of Christ. He's the head, you're the body, and the devil's under our feet. Amen? Amen. And so you arise, quit sitting, get up, and go after what God says is yours. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We're so grateful.